0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show Podcast, Hour 3.
1: Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Open line Friday, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. Glad to have you with me here today. I want to begin this hour by revisiting uh, the occasional topic of uh, what in the world is Ron DeSantis thinking. <laughs> uh, because uh, there are questions There are alarm bells ringing. So Hugo Gordon is the editor-in-chief at the Washington Examiner, and he has a piece uh, out today, a letter from the editor, essentially saying probably DeSantis needs to go on and declare. Uh, He writes, donors are holding back, conserving their cash to see what DeSantis does. This suggests that they, like 54% of the Republican voters, would prefer someone other than Trump as the GOP nominee, but they won't wait forever. Donor hesitancy has limited Trump's ability to raise campaign funds, but if the money men see him successfully retail politicking week after week, the spigot will start turning open. For as long as DeSantis stays out of the fight, Trump can define him. Every insult or implied contrast will go more or less unanswered. DeSantis looks good not responding to Trump's puerile jabs, but the time will come soon when "state above the fray" starts to look like being scared. I I don't agree with this. And uh, there is polling out uh, WPA polling; they're the best pollster on the right that show a uh, majority of Republicans actually want DeSantis to be the nominee. There's now uh, UC Berkeley polling out of California that shows 54% of Californians won. And yeah, yeah, yeah all, all that to be said, all the caveats about polling and the accuracies thereof, I pay attention to WPA intelligence in large part because they're the probably the most accurate pollster on the right. Their internal polling, hands down, uh, pretty significant. Their national polling, I gave the number, is 40% DeSantis, 31% Trump, 8% Haley, 8% Pence, Cheney, 2% uh, Pompeo, 1% Rubio, 1% Hogan, less than 1% Tim Scott. And you're saying 5% Cheney, that poll must be crap. Except remember, 13% of Republicans voted against the Republican Party in November, according to the accurate exit polling, because they didn't want the crazies. So I can believe 5% of the GOP longs for Liz Cheney. It's not going to happen. Do you want to get rid of Trump and move on from Trump or not? If you do, DeSantis is probably your way to go. I disagree with Hugo Gordon, though, in the idea that he's got to do it now. That time is running out, that donors are getting impatient. I know donors are not getting impatient. I'm actually going to meet with a lot of the donors uh, in another week. There's lots of weekend meetings happening. There's one happening this weekend. Uh, There's some happening next weekend, some of the same people. Uh, DeSantis is courting donors right now down in Palm Beach. And the gist of the sentiment, the, the understanding I get is that they're just waiting to see what does Ron DeSantis do. And the DeSantis people are telling everyone on background that he's not going to announce until the Florida legislature is done. The Florida legislature probably wraps up uh, end of April, middle of May. Here's why. He doesn't want to look like he is splitting the baby. He doesn't want to look like he just runs for re-election, gets re-elected, and immediately pivots to the presidency. He wants to be a good governance governor. And the donors are willing to do that. This is There are a lot of people who are rushing DeSantis now. Rush, 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 rush. Get out the door. Get out the door. Get out the door. Let me just, let's all step back for a minute. Having run campaigns, let me explain to you what goes on. It is not a rush job. You sit down your candidate and your campaign staff and you actually have to survey the landscape. You raise initial money and then you poll. What do people want? What do people not want? What are the options? Who's the most formidable person? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? How do you amplify your strengths and amplify their weaknesses? How do you downplay their strengths and how do you downplay your own weaknesses? How do you juxtapose your strengths against their weaknesses and what do you do to prevent them from juxtaposing their strengths against your weaknesses? You plot it out deliberately and thematically and you ultimately come up with a campaign theme and then you decide how to deploy that campaign theme. And then you decide how do I deploy the messaging and the look? The iconography, if you will, of a campaign, it symbolizes something. Do you go old school or do you go new school? Do you look like you didn't put any thought into it or do you put a lot of careful thought into it? And if you put a lot of careful thought into it, how do you design your campaign plan? What is your theory of the race and how do you navigate it to the general election? The thing you do not want to do, the thing you cannot do to be a winning candidate is to make a campaign calculation designed to win a primary that costs you the general election. I would imagine that right now, the DeSantis campaign is very carefully, with a lot of discernment, plotting out an entire campaign strategy. And that strategy gets him from now until November of 2024. They plan a budget. They plan a campaign. They plan a message. They plan themes. And then they put it all in writing. You cannot win a campaign if you cannot put your campaign playbook in writing. I was a campaign consultant for a very long time. I helped candidates strategize their campaigns. It always began the same way. You sit in a room with the spouse, you always bring the spouse. Because you have to give strengths and weaknesses of the candidate. And the spouse is very good at giving weaknesses. Always is. And then you have to plot them out. And once you've plotted them out, inevitably, uh, the, the campaign slogan, the campaign theme kind of comes from plotting out. I've never done this where it didn't come about pretty naturally, pretty organically, where y- your campaign slogan kind of kind of shows itself based on your strengths and weaknesses compared to the other person's strengths and weaknesses. So DeSantis, for example, could talk about he's, he's actually a winner. It would contrast against Donald Trump, who hasn't won very much other than that one race against Clinton, could highlight good governance, good results. He could highlight he stood against Washington for America, and he could contrast himself against Joe Biden, and he could contrast himself against Donald Trump's handling of COVID. He can build a narrative campaign, and he has time to do it. Nikki Haley did very much like this. She took her time. She decided she wanted to be the second person in the race. She wasn't going to wait for DeSantis to get in. She was going to preempt DeSantis. She laid out her campaign. She put together a timetable. She prepared a budget. She prepared messaging. She prepared her campaign imagery, and she prepared her launch. And then she set about strategically going to Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, the three early states, one of which gives her a home field advantage. And she said about making sure she was surrounded with Trump voters who voted for Trump twice, but are willing to give her the benefit of the doubt, and at least want to hear what she said to get her name out there. And you will notice what happened. In the WPA intelligence poll, in the last poll they did, Haley was well down at two or three percent. She's now up at eight. That's not significant in single digits, but it's a real increase. And this is the thing for DeSantis. He right now is a hypothetical candidate. He is more likely than not going to get in. I have a hard time at this point seeing him not get in. What I know from behind the scenes is he's interviewing staff. One of the things DeSantis realized he disliked when he ran for governor the first time was going out and hiring the mercenary staff. DeSantis hired a lot of staff because he knew in Florida, if he could get Trump's endorsement in 2018 when he ran the first time, that he would probably be able to, um, if he hired his staff and people close to Trump, he could get Trump's endorsement, and he did. And there were a lot of mercenaries. There were a lot of people who wanted Desantis's money, but they weren't personally invested in him. This is one of the things you find as a candidate on the campaign trail. It's one of the things, by the way, that speaks very highly of Nikki Haley and Mike Pence. Nikki Haley and Mike Pence are surrounded with staff who have worked for them for a very long time. In politics, it's very ego-driven. It's very self-centric. To find a candidate who has staff who has worked for that person for a very long time speaks very highly of the candidate. That Nikki Haley and Mike Pence both have staff who have worked for them. For Pence going back to when he was in Congress before he was even governor, for Haley going all the way back to her time in the governor's mansion, that means they're actually good people. That actually means they're good people. Now, I'm biased because I like them both, but I say this across the board, uh, regardless of politics, regardless of the partisan composition. uh, Joe Biden has some people who have worked for Joe Biden for a very long time around him. Kamala Harris, on the other hand, does not keep staff very long. Amy Klobuchar has a very, very high staff turnover. That suggests they're difficult people to work for. Staff don't like to work for them. Contrast that, for example. I, I mean, I don't partic- didn't particularly care for Ted Kennedy when he was alive, but Ted Kennedy had staff who were lifers. They worked for Ted Kennedy forever. And they liked working for Ted Kennedy. He was not an egomaniac. He did not throw his staff under the bus. They liked working for Ted Kennedy, and they stayed with Ted Kennedy. Bill Clinton is another example. Bill Clinton was a hard-charging, tough boss to work for. He had very high standards. But Bill Clinton, if you worked for Bill Clinton, you wanted to work for him for the rest of your life because people really liked him. Contrast that with Kamala Harris. People work for her for six months, and they're ready to move on to something else they do not like working for. That Mike Pence and Nikki Haley have people going back to their beginnings in politics, still working for them, wanting to help them, means they're good people. DeSantis hired political mercenaries early on. And a lot of those people, he pushed them out. And they generated a lot of stories about DeSantis after he got elected governor saying, oh, he's too hard to work for. He's too difficult. He's he's high maintenance. But you don't hear that anymore. You actually have a, a a level of staff around DeSantis that's now been there with him through a second reelection, through his the major part of his first term, into a second term, and they all love the guy because he got rid of the mercenaries and hired the people who share his convictions. And he wants to do that now. He doesn't want to run for president with a bunch of mercenaries. He wants to run for president with people who actually share his values and believe in his campaign. And that's not going to be rushed, and he doesn't need to rush. All of the donors I've talked to in the Republican Party say the same thing, whether they are for DeSantis or not for DeSantis. None of them, by the way, are against DeSantis per se. They may have preferences for other people, but all of them are waiting to see what he does. And they understand the Florida legislature is a far more important thing for him right now than a run for the presidency, because if he can steer the Florida legislature in this session, get major pieces of legislation out of it that define what his presidential campaign could look like, they're going to give him the time to do that. The people who are trying to rush DeSantis into the race now, some of them want him in, and some of them are trying to just get him into the race Maybe he'll make some mistakes along the way, and they can finally get on to the presidential campaign. There's a lot of desire for the inevitable. They know he's going to run. But that inevitability comes with patience, and it actually speaks very highly of his campaign that they're waiting. I read the David Brooks piece the other day, and and he said DeSantis, if he was more of a strategist and just less of a tactician, I think David Brooks fundamentally misunderstands DeSantis. I actually think the DeSantis campaign is being very strategic. A lot of people say these things, oh, he's just a tactician. He does this and that, and there's no overarching narrative. I think there's an overarching narrative. You may not like the overarching narrative, but I think the narrative is there, and it's playing out, and part of that strategic narrative is a deliberation and a wait to run for the presidency. I don't think DeSantis is going to come out a month from now and say, yeah, I decided I'm not going to run. I think he's going to come out a month or two from now, maybe three, May, early June, and we will have a fully formed campaign with a playbook that goes the distance to November of 2024, as opposed to the blocking and tackling just to get through a primary season. He's going to come out with a plan to win the whole thing, not just the primary. And that's why it's taking longer than a lot of other campaigns wish it would take. These other campaigns are desperate for him to come out because their donors are refusing to write checks until they see what DeSantis does. And that also impacts Donald Trump. If you own a small to medium-sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you. The employee retention credit is a tax credit of up to $26,000 per employee, and now more businesses than ever qualify. The experts at refundspro.com specialize in cutting through the red tape of qualifying for this government program. Most of their refunds are over $100,000. Even businesses that have received PPP funds may be eligible, and they are absolutely no fees unless you receive a refund. There's no reason not to apply. If your business experienced shutdowns, limited capacity, supply chain challenges, or even reduced revenue due to COVID, you likely qualify refundspro.com has already helped hundreds of businesses, so don't lose the refund you're owed by missing the deadline. Get started today with a free five-minute questionnaire at refunds, with an S, refundspro.com. That's refunds, with an S, pro.com. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. It is an open line Friday. Phone lines are wide open for you, 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be a part of the program? I have a bone to pick with some of you. I, I I don't even feel the need to be super diplomatic about it. Maybe I should. So I have referenced in the last uh, week several times Marjorie Taylor Greene and her idea for a great national divorce. Marjorie Taylor Greene wants a great national divorce. And I have commented that I found it deeply ironic that a woman who is no more committed to her marriage, uh, would be uh, not very committed to her nation either. She cheated on her husband repeatedly with Jim Bros, and they're now getting a divorce. And several people are like, that's not nice. You shouldn't comment on that. That's personal. That's personal. You shouldn't judge her. The issue is not divorce. I have many friends who are divorced. I have relatives who are divorced. Sometimes marriages don't work. The issue, however, is for this woman to cast herself as a moral authority on a great national divorce after doing that to her husband. Uh, She has no interest in the fidelity of marriage. Why should she for the fidelity of her country? And I'm getting emails from people saying, you wouldn't say that if she was a man. Really? Have you not heard me talk about Donald Trump cheating on his third wife while pregnant and he did so with a porn star? Have you not heard me be consistent? The idea that so many people in the right are, are lifting these people up as some sort of moral authorities, and then when you point out these are not moral people, you're like, you can't say that. Yes, the hell, we should, because that's why we're in this crap as a nation across the board with the Biden administration, with the Trump administration. We're either going to decide to do better as a people and elect people of better standards, or we're going to settle for the entertainment factor, which we've got with these idiots. So excuse me if you're upset with me pointing out we shouldn't be listening to a woman who doesn't take marriage seriously when it comes to her not taking the nation seriously. I make no apologies for it. Now I feel better, and I need to tell you about Patriot Mobile, who is around the country. Boy, that's a heck of a transition, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, Helping you with your cell phone service, and when you do move to them, you get guaranteed great phone service and they then contribute a portion of their profits to the causes you care about. All you do is go to PatriotMobile.com slash Eric, PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You can also call them, 972-Patriot, 972-Patriot. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation, you get great discounts, you're a veteran a first responder, an NRA member, a teacher, if you got a lot of lines because you got a lot of kids and they're all at the age where they need cell phones, Patriot Mobile can give you some great deals. You can take your existing phone number to them, you can take your uh, existing phone them if it's unlocked and they get you uh, into the conservative movement in a way you didn't even think of just by moving your cell phone service to them. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K or you can call them 972-PATRIOT. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. A new bill according to Axios out of Florida. Calls for the removal of degrees in critical race theory, gender studies, and other majors and minors that promote diversity, equity, and inclusion from Florida's public colleges. When I went to college, I was actually kind of shocked. Now you, you got to understand. I, I I grew up overseas, uh, and then I moved back to rural Louisiana, and I just I it really it never occurred to me that you could get a degree in women and gender studies or queer theory or African-American studies. I honestly, I, I mean, uh, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my I had no idea you could get a degree in women and gender studies. Like, why would you get a degree in women and gender studies? Like professional victimhood degrees. I mean, women in comfortable shoes getting jobs in in uh, human resources. I, I I have no idea why you would you want to get a college degree in something. Let me get a degree in gender studies. Woohoo! That's real depth of knowledge there. Why get a degree in chemistry when I can get it in gender studies? <laughs> we can make up the chemistry. We can make up the chromosomes. Well. In uh, Florida, Representative Alex uh, Andrade of Pensacola would give the Board of Governors the ability to direct public universities to remove majors and minors in critical race theory, gender studies, intersectionality, or any derivative major or minor of these beliefs systems. I, I gotta tell you, I'm I, I I see no use for the degrees. I don't understand why anyone would want that unless they just, well, I, I want to learn how to be a perpetual victim and teach other people that they too are perpetual victims. The problem here is that so much of the left has embraced this nonsense and it's spreading throughout the government. Uh, Chris Rufo actually has a piece out on his substack. Last week, President Biden signed an executive order that promises to create a national DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion bureaucracy, and embed the principles of left-wing radicalism throughout the federal government. The order titled Further Advancing Racial Equity and Support for Underserved Communities Through the Federal Government, relies on three key strategies, creating internal cadres and power centers through the deployment of agency equity teams, funding third-party political activism through grants to community-based organizations, and weaponizing civil rights law by requiring federal agencies use artificial intelligence in a manner that advances equity. Seriously. Uh, Use AI to advance equity. Now, remember, this is how they move the goalposts. It used to be about equality. We want everyone to be equal. Well, they bought everybody bought into the idea of equality and there's, well, we don't really want equality. we want equity. Well what is equity? Well uh, equal is uh, Kamala Harris, I think is the one who advanced this illustration. Uh, equality is everybody gets the same size box to look over a fence at a baseball game. Well the short kids still can't see it. So equity is we got to raise the short kids up. We got to give them more so that they can see the baseball game. That was how they described it. Essentially, equity is communism. We got to take from those who have and give to those who have not. They don't want to call it communism. Communism is a pejorative. Even the commies these days don't want to call it communism because they know communism is bad. But when you talk about equity, that's what you're talking about. The quintessential Karl Marx definition for communism is taking from those who have and giving to those who have not. That is what the left calls equity. And they can rebrand communism as equity and get people to eat it up. And then they send everyone through their DEI education and you learn how we need diversity, equity, and inclusion. The problem here is the Biden administration is so much more focused on the superficials of skin color inclusion and sexual orientation inclusion. They're not going for competence. For God's sakes, look at the press secretary. Black female lesbian. She checks all of the right intersectional boxes. She's a blithering idiot. Surely there is a black female lesbian in America who is smarter than this woman, who cannot actually answer a question without looking at her briefing book. And she's oh so proud of the diversity, equity, and inclusion. I played you this audio earlier in the show, but it's worth reiterating, this is the audio, this is the press secretary uh, at the White House.
0: I want to take the opportunity to, to lay out uh, what how diverse the president's cabinet has been, how diverse the president's administration has been. Uh, the cabinet is majority people of color for the first time in history. The cabinet is majority female for the first time in history. A majority of White House senior staff identify as female. 40% of White House senior staff identify as part of the racially diverse community and a record seven assistants to the presidents are openly LGBTQ+. So, again, this is something that the president prides himself on, uh, that he actually has taken action to show uh, the diversity of this administration. I want to take the... And this idiot
1: doesn't say that a majority is female. says it's the majority identifies as female. So it could be some dudes in there who identify as women, but it's, they identify as female. This is what he prioritizes over competence. This is why so many Americans are skeptical of the rest of the goals of our government. Not to repeat everything I said in the the last couple of hours, but you want this, you want the people of the United States to trust that you're actually going to be competent abroad, you need to be competent at home. And if you're going to be competent at home, you've got to hire competent people, not just check the intersectional boxes. Hey, I got a black lesbian female uh, press secretary. Woo-hoo! Who cares who she sleeps with? Who cares? She needs to be competent. She's not competent. Same with Pete Buttigieg. He's not a competent transportation secretary. Him being gay has nothing to do with it. Other than the fact you and I know darn well, he wouldn't have the job but for that. And now the Biden administration wants to expand all of this within the federal government. They want to stockpile the entire federal government with a bunch of people with women and gender studies degrees as opposed to core competencies. Well, they learned how we're all victims, so they'll have great empathy. Doesn't really mean they'll be good at their job, but they'll have empathy for other people when they suck in their job. And the problem here long term is what happens is this builds – a a component within the federal government that is deeply hostile. You think the deep state is bad now? Wait until you get all of these gender and and, 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 uh, grievance studies, people, embedded within the federal government to comply with this DEI uh, executive order. You're going to have a federal government full of angry, bitter people in comfortable shoes who aren't competent to do their job but are great at explaining to you why the government is systemically racist and out to get you. And that's just going to further undermine trust in the federal government. That's what Joe Biden is doing. He's undermining the competencies of the federal government for check-the-box grievance studies hires. It's kind of embarrassing, but when you're an 80-year-old and having other people run the White House for you and they're all a bunch of progressive hacks, that's kind of what you get. I mean, y'all, we have got to do better as a federal government hiring competent people. When Rome had emperor killing emperor, killing emperor, killing army, killing emperor, killing army, killing emperor, killing praetorian, killing emperor, killing praetorian, killing emperor, the Roman Empire could continue to go on because the bureaucracy of the Roman Empire was competent. You embed a bunch of white, woke grievance mongers of the Roman Empire, it collapses overnight whether the emperor is living or dead. They can't go on. They're too busy fueling grievance instead of collecting taxes and getting jobs done. Our federal bureaucracy just wants to go after conservatives, raise taxes on the poor, and audit the waitresses as opposed to actually finding uh, and getting good people in the government to keep it running. They got to check these boxes. We don't need a box-checking administration. We don't need a box-checking government. We need a competent administration. And we don't have it with this administration trying to advance DEI goals instead of advancing the American people. Now, that I've got that off my chest, to the phones. Tracy, welcome, how are you?
0: Well, hey, Eric, I have an observation. I've listened to your entire program today, brilliant. Oh, wow, thank you. You're welcome. I'm going to give all the credit to the callers, because I bet you my bottom dollar that none of the callers who could talk about the engines, the tracks, the derailment, how fuel efficiency works with trains, the regulations, I doubt any of them question their gender, whether they're binary or non-binary. I bet none of them have blue or purple hair, but I'm willing to bet that those that do want us to ride the trains and buy electric cars.
1: Oh my gosh, that's such a great observation. You're absolutely right. Um the, the green haired flying purple people eater people of America want you on the trains and want you in the EVs, and it's actually uh the normal people who are building the trains and, and keeping the nation going. That's so true, Tracy. There is such a dramatic difference in this country these days. It, it's like you know, I saw a guy the other day complaining um Oh, what was it? Now it was yesterday. It, it was there's this left wing hack on on social media, and he was complaining about uh, Republicans want to reform health care laws in the country, including Obamacare. And he said Republicans want to take away your health care right. And somebody replied and said, "We have raised an entire generation that believes it is your human right to take my money to cover your doctor's bills." Uh, and I thought, you know, we we really we have. We have so many good, hardworking people in this country, who their job, according to the left, is to work hard and make money to pay for the things the left wants. Uh, yeah, and live the
0: way and live the way they dictate.
1: Yes, uh, it, it's whether I it mean, makes
0: sense or not.
1: Yeah, whether it makes sense or not. Thank, Tracy, thank you very much for that. Yes, whether it makes sense or not, I, I the whole thing is, you know, I, I, again, the the left always calls us the culture war. We're always told that. It is now just taken as as a, a statement of fact by the media that it's the right that are the culture warriors. We are the ones going to war for culture. No, the hell we're not. We're just saying this far and no further. It's the left that fights on this stuff. We didn't start a fight over gas stoves. The left did. We didn't fight start a fight over whether men can become women. The left did. We didn't start a fight over whether or not children should be have their gen, uh, genitalia mutilated. The left did. And somehow, we're the bad culture warriors? No, we're not. We're just calling out the insanity. And somehow, the, the media decides we're the one. We're fighting a never-ending culture war. We don't want to fight the war. We don't want to fight it at all. It's the left demanding that we fight these things. And all we're trying to do is dig our heels in and say, no, we do not want to go along with the insanity. We would like sane policies across the board. And yet the left tells us because we want sanity instead of their insanity, somehow we're the culture warriors. If we are, I guess we'll own it because we do not want the insanity. We don't want to go off the cliff with these people. All right. One more. Bob, you're going to be up next.
0: Welcome. Welcome. Well, Eric, hey, how are you today? Good, how are you? Oh, uh, suffering from sinus cold. Oh, so I was listening Look, to what you I were... saw
1: pollen on my car this morning, and in about a week, I'm going to be where you are.
0: Well, mine's just a cold. I'm fortunate not to be pestered by the pollen. Good for you. Oh, um, I was listening very closely to your comments about the inclusivity of the executive branch. Mm-hmm. And the thing I was relating this to is, and you're right. And I agree. Uh, most, none of them have demonstrated any degree of real competence to me. And I'm afraid that if they keep pushing this, look how diverse they are. They're going to get tagged by how failing they are. And that's going to reflect badly on the groups, people in those groups that are competent. And, you know, that is and a good point. They may be damaging their causes more than trying to gain acceptance. And the other thing is, I don't like it shoved down my throat. I yeah. treat others as I am treated, mm-hmm. and I respect their position. They ought to respect my position and not attack me for it. Hmm. Yeah, look,
1: I, I Bob, I, I think that's very well said, and, and you're right. It, it, it should not matter whether someone is gay or straight shouldn't matter whether they're transgender or not. If they're competent at their job, hire the most competent person. And the fact that they are putting all these these less competent people in to check the box undermines the caliber of the people who check the box but are competent. But they don't think like that because they don't think rationally. Now, I want you to think about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm three pack because you can eliminate if you've got bad odors in your house. Like, for example, a buddy of mine went to Edenpuredeals.com and he put Eric in and he did buy three of them. True story. He and his wife bought a house, and the house had been the home of a smoker, like lifelong smoker who smoked in the house. And even though they painted and changed out furniture and stuff, there's still lingering smell there. And then you had the paint smell as well. And they fired up the Eden Pure Thunderstorms and left them running. Uh, this was their uh, away home on, on a lake, and they left it running. And they came back and the Eden Pure Thunderstorm had wiped out the odors. That's what it does. It wipes out odors. It eliminates odors pet odors, litter box odors, paint odors, smoke odors, musty odors, mildewy odors. You can get three of them for less than $200. You go to EdenPureDeals.com. You put in the discount code ERIC. That's it. Just ERIC, E R I C K, on the front page of the website. And you'll see the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. You can plug it into the wall, or you can plug it into your car with a USB cord. You can hold it in your hand. It's not a big product, but it packs a wallop. EdenPureDeals.com is the website. The discount code is just ERIC on the front page of that website. You'll see the EdenPure Thunderstorm 3-pack. You get three of them for less than $200. EdenPureDeals.com, the discount code ERIC howdy welcome it is eric erickson here across the nation let's jump in here get this phone call from rick welcome to the show rick
0: how are you today you know the Good. left's been at this for sixty the less been at this for 60 plus years Change slowly changing definitions what used to be right's wrong what's wrong's right they've been doing it i myself am very thankful for covid the reason I'm thankful for is it woke America up. The right finally woke up and saw what the left's been doing. People had to stay home and look at the kids, what they were learning in school. Yep. It brought all this to the forefront. Now people are going, wait a minute, you're teaching what? Well, they've been teaching this crap for 60 years or more.
1: Yeah, you, it's you know, a, it, it, it's not a coincidence that, that so much feels like a sped up. Rick, Thank, thanks for that. Uh, after COVID, when... Parents had to be in the house with their kids, listening in on the Zoom and Teams calls of the schools, thinking, wait a second, they're teaching you what? Parents had been able to, in large part, abdicate responsibility to the schools. They didn't have to pay that much attention. There was no way around it when you were overhearing the teachers on the Zoom calls. And, I mean, if you'll recall back in 2020... There were teachers who were caught on TikTok giving advice to other teachers on how to nuance the discussion so that the parents wouldn't be tipped off. Too late. Um, it, just, it it just was It was a wake-up call for a lot of people, and not just that. But it was also a wake-up call when news anchors vilified small business owners who protested in April of 2020 wanting their shops back open, wanting to go back to work it was news anchors, it was Democrats, it was pundits who vilified those small business owners for protesting, demanding that they be allowed to go back to work. They would take reasonable precautions, but they wanted to go back to work. And then you fast forward to the George Floyd riots just a couple months later, and people were vilified for not being rioting. It was okay that that they didn't wear masks. It was okay being in mass gatherings. It was okay. It was their civil rights and their civil rights trumped everything. What about the small business owners? the media the politicians refused to treat everyone equally they picked winners and losers and that was a giant wake-up call to a lot of americans who were embittered and fueled with rage and i don't know that that rage has completely gone away Uh, it's still out there in various forms making its way around the country well i made it through an entire show without getting sick to my stomach again Maybe I'm actually on the mend. I will see you guys on Monday. You guys have a great weekend.